With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, and welcome to the Game Time CT Soccer Podcast, just for kicks. I'm the boys soccer beat writer, Scott Erickson, and I'm joined, as always, by the girls soccer beat writer, Joe Morelli. Good morning, Scott. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, I'm doing fine, thank you. You are. Uh, I love coming in and doing these podcasts. You know, we're a little sleepy, but uh, it's fun to come in and How was the trip up the park? Have you had any trouble getting up the parkway? No, no. Going north uh, in the morning is fine, and today it wasn't pouring rain like it was last Tuesday. This is like the first Tuesday I've come up and it wasn't raining. Right. So. We haven't had sun yet in the three or four we've done. We I'll take that. It. I'll take the overcast drive up is is fine. No, it, it's easy getting up here. I like coming up to New Haven, and uh, good. It's always fun to see. Well, we the like crew up having here. you here. And the, you know, I'm in the New Haven Register office, so it's yes. it's an awesome place. Yes. Um. Before we get to the normal stuff that we talk about, we'll get into all the polls, performers. Uh, I just want to mention uh, that Paul Winstanley from Barlow won his 200th game over the weekend in a 3-1 win over Naugatuck. He's only the second coach they've had there in a long time because Jim Dolan was there before him and won 411 games for over 29 years. Uh, Winstanley's won six SWC championships, a couple state championships. That program's an elite program. Um, you, you, you've covered him a few times. Uh, the, the 200 wins is not easy to do. Not in soccer, especially yeah. when you're playing. You're playing 16 regular season games and you're playing postseason games. So obviously you have to have a lot of success. To have two coaches in the history of a program, it's something that's unheard of. Unheard of. I, I, honestly, Scott, and, and we're going to get to another topic in a minute. Nowadays it's going to be very hard to keep coaches that long. Coaches who are Absolutely. in the game that long, coaches who, I always say this in sports, coaches who start now, they're not going 20 years anymore. And they don't make enough money. It, the game has changed, and the culture has changed in how you have to deal with the outside and the public. So it's 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 not worth it, I, I don't think. But unless you really have to love it and you really have to love what you're doing with the kids, and you have to be able to handle a lot of different things. But going back to Paul, yeah, a couple times in the tournament, they faced hand a number of times. In fact, I hand beat them, I think, in the finals in 2016. It was the first time Hand had won a state championship in 19 years. And Barlow and them, again, I faced each other a lot in the tournament. And, and Hand played great that day. But uh, he's always, Paul's always, always a class guy. Always credits the other team from the times I've dealt with him. Yes. And I'm sure you feel the same. I've dealt with the same way. And uh, congratulations to him. Again, 200 wins in soccer is that's a lot of wins. Uh, he, you know, he's a tough guy, and he expects a lot from his kids. And right. the fact that that program's reached that level, he keeps it there, and that's that's a hard thing to do. You know, it's hard to get there, but it's hard to keep it there and be good for a decade like he's been. So, right. congratulations to Paul. Uh, awesome job, and uh, you know, we'll definitely be seeing and talking about him later in the season because I'm sure Barlow yeah. will be. They'll be one of the teams we talk again. They'll be there. They're always there. Yeah. Quarterfinalist, even if they don't win, they're they're there, and they're going to be a tough out. 
so let's shift over to a different coaching story. Yeah. Uh, you know, the coach <laughs> at Guilford since 1994 is Joe Marr. Uh, he resigned the other day ahead of their game with Brantford. Yeah. Uh, the team's four, three, and one. There could be a bunch of reasons for this. Uh, you tried to talk to him last night. Uh, you know what what happened when you were working on this story? Yeah, I, again, I, I got wind of it. Obviously, Sunday, Monday, and uh, kind of caught me by surprise because I always thought I'd be writing a nice, glowing piece on him yeah. when he retired. Yeah. So I'm sure he's getting close to it. Um, he was the dean of coaches in the SCC. I, I honestly do not know. Because he honestly did hang up on me. And right. Eve obviously does not want to talk about it. I mean, and he's, we, and he's we, entitled to the- we, we could only speculate, but it, yeah. it does raise red flags when you sure. leave in the middle of the season. It's my understanding that they try to talk him out of it. So people are going to be able to speculate and, and comment on game time CT, and you can make your own judgments there. But um, it's too bad that this had to happen. I mean, the program will go on. Again, they beat Bradford yesterday, who was – unbeaten going in so the program will be fine Curtis Goulet is the interim coach and he was assistant with Joe so and there's a lot of tradition in that town this is a big deal soccer's the number one sport in Guilford it's not even close to football is not even close or anything else I mean I I cover basketball girls volleyball had a great year it's not even comparable soccer is the story right and this is a big deal and and he's been the coach a long time I mean 94 and before that he was at University of New Haven yeah so before he coached one year North Bradford but here's the Interesting thing, too. Now, within the last calendar year, for one reason or another, we've had coaches no longer leave Hand, Shelton, Notre Dame West Haven, and now Guilford. It goes to two, four programs who've had coaches there combined at the time 75 years, I think it was. That's nuts. I mean, of just of tenure. Yeah. I mean, Rudy Rafone at Notre Dame and Stan Lekowski at Hand, and Shelton was. Uh, Joe Dior, and I'm not going to get into what reasons, all those stories, you can find them all at Game Time CT, why they left, and then read the stories, because I wrote about them last year. Some of them were interesting scenarios. That's a, that's a, those are big hits for the SEC, and this is a big hit for Guilford. I mean, the program will survive, and they'll always be competitive, and they'll be good, but that's a big mark, and it's it, it's sad to see him go in this fashion. Yeah, he's won two state championships, brought them to two others, uh, where they were runners-up. Um you don't want to speculate too much about what's going on, but he is an old school, tough, gruff yes, kind of coach, he right? Is. I mean, he very much so, and he he got the most. I mean, listen, they were in the state semifinals the last two years. He gets the most out of his kids, and that's and they're a contender this year. So that's I, a, I would think so. They're yeah. always a contender. Yeah. I mean, like, like I said, we'll see how they they reacted well yesterday. So. I don't know. I, right. I did, they, they did beat Branford last night after this happened, and he was not on the sidelines, right? He was not there. I went to watch just to make sure because, again, yeah. the last game he had coached in was against Branford. They, it's kind of ironic. They, well, played, they played back-to-back, yeah. Yeah, how the schedule worked out. And they didn't have a game over the weekend. And and their last three games were two losses and a tie, but I don't think that's enough to make a coach No, I think there, there's, more, aside, there's obviously so. more to the story. And people, again, they're going to speculate how they want to speculate, and that's fine. Um, again, I just – it's – he didn't want to, obviously didn't want to talk about it. So, but like you said, it's hard for a coach who takes a tough approach with the kids to get through in 2018 without having to face these complaints from mom and dad, from mom and dad that their kids are being yelled at and this and that. And again, we don't know that this is what's happening here, but we have seen this in the past all over the high school football, basketball, baseball, soccer, where these coaches that are a little rough with the kids, and I don't mean rough physically rough. I mean they just they're abrasive in the way they talk to the kids sometimes, and that's the way the coaches were when I grew up. Um, and the parents don't like it, and they start complaining. But, again, we don't know that that's what the case is here. It's just very strange 
that a coach of this stature to step down in the middle of a season from a program like that. Maybe he had enough finally. Maybe he's had enough. And we don't know. And there we could be know. other personal issues that we don't want to speculate about his personal Exa- life. No, no, not at no. all. No. I mean, it could be. We don't know. It's Again, it's just too bad. It's too from bad. My, our, from yeah. my perspective, it's too bad. I, I can't sp- I'm not going to speak for anybody else in the Guilford community who know him better than me, who are around soccer, around youth soccer. But he's been there for 24 years. And right. he's done a lot of good in that town. Soccer wise, and a lot of there's a lot of kids who would speak well of them. I, I think so. They may yeah. not comment on getting, but there's a lot, a lot of former players. There's a lot of former great players. I mean, Adam Greenberg. We talked about him in the first podcast. One of his kids. was was one of his players. Yeah, and, and Alex O'Brien, and there's so many names. I don't remember off the top of my head, but just great soccer players. And and then in a town of soccer, you know, he. I mean, to call him a legend, I don't think he's stretching. I think he he is a coaching legend in, in, a, in a town where. To last 24 years in Guilford, that's pretty good If you're a coach that long, if you're going over 20 years, like yep. you said earlier, the coaches that are coaching now, you have a hard time seeing them there in 20 years. Not that they're not dedicated if or you're they start, don't love it. If you're starting, starting now, thing. if you're starting the last I, five years. This is how I feel. I've been saying this since Vito Montelli retired. St. Joseph basketball, 50 years, was the first coach they ever had. They've had, they're on their third coach since right. 2011 for a number of reasons, right, yeah. 2012. So that goes to show you. Somebody started in 2011. They've already had three. For whatever reason, I just think if you're starting in 2018, you're not going 20 years. Not for the way things go today. Not for the amount of money you make. It's not worth the aggravation. You have to really love what you do and put the time in. Because it's not the season. When the season ends, you can't end. You have to keep an eye on the kids. And, and you you probably hear Scott and, and Pete's alongside all the time about coaches, how much it would benefit if they were – coaching in the building if they taught in the they're building in the school, sure. because when they're not it's just keeping on and those are in the bigger sp- so you can keep an eye on what's going on and it's there's an inherited advantage I think the East Haven football coach I mean they're off to a 4-0 start Scott Bonoy who's been great wherever he's gone I think he's in the building and I think there's an inherited advantage and, and Joe used to be he's retired and I'm not making this has nothing to do with Joe I'm saying I think it's very going to be very hard for somebody to stay in one place that long if you start now versus if you started in the 90s well the game has changed the culture has changed you have to adapt with it that's why a guy like i'm sorry i'm going long-winded here no no no, somebody like bob DeMeo. you you covered baseball i covered bob DeMeo. you have north haven guys got over 900 that's not happening anymore no that's never gonna but (laughs) but for whatever reason he has stood the test of time yeah if he had major problems if he god forbid hit a kid or something if something like that happened he would have been gone. Sure, he's been able to survive and adapt. He's in his 80s. You're not going to see that anymore. It's it's hard. It's really hard, Well, Scott. in soccer, we also have seen over the last decade an influx of coaches who are not, definitely not in the school. And a lot of European coaches come in, You know, especially English guys, Scottish guys are coaching these teams. They're doing a great job with the team. But like you said, they're not teachers in the school. So when the next job comes around for them, it's easy to kind of move on to the, sure next, to the next thing. Whereas if you're a teacher there, like, you know, I'm not sure if Dan Woog is still a teacher at Staples. Staples has had three coaches in the 60-year program, 60 years of their that's program. That's amazing to hear that, that in Barlow. That's, that's amazing. Right, and Dan's been there a long time. He's very ingrained in the community. But if you look across, like, just look at the FCAC coaches, there aren't a lot of guys that have been there more than 10 years. I think Kurt Putnam's been at Greenwich over 10 years now, but there's not a ton. This sport in general has had a lot of turnover at, at least recently where you're having less teachers doing it and more outside guys being brought in to coach these teams well let's put let's go to the back to a sport we both love in basketball yeah. let's put mike walsh aside 
you see all these changes in sports football. Why do you think the biggest reason is in the last ten years the FCAC coaches leaving? What do you think? If you had to do a top ten family feud, oh, I think what would be the number one reason why you think coaches leave? Uh, they don't say it in the story, but you read between the lines. What parents? It's because of the, it's because of the pressure from parents because and you're not the getting the backing from, from the administration because they have to investigate every single claim which right and you have to do that these and, days. and really the parents should be backing up the coach whereas if a kid goes home and says hey the coach yelled at me or the coach is not playing me then the parents should say why isn't the coach playing you what what can you do to get yourself in the game like and I think instead of that the kid goes home and says I'm not playing or the coach yelled at me and then immediately they go to the administration and complain and. How dare you not put my kid in? Look, I've talked about this with Pete in baseball. These parents spend a ton of money, some of them, and AAU, putting their kids in AAU programs and training soccer, programs yep. and having them go and they wherever they go. they feel like they have a say in what's So it's an investment yeah, to them. Absolutely. They don't view it as just their kid playing sports. It's, it's different. It's a different era. It's a totally different world. It is. Yes. But then when you have administrations that don't have the backs of their coaches and take the sides of the parents in these arguments – it's very hard for a coach to fight back against that and becomes like, I just want to be here and coach soccer and be with the kids. And I'm dealing with all this other stuff that goes on every day. I would say that's the number one reason people go. People also have their own families. Like you said, they don't get paid a lot. So once the coaches start having their own kids and stuff, they want to go spend time yeah, with absolutely. them. Absolutely, That's another big reason. So it's, it's, it's a different system in a lot of ways, but you know, you used to have the science teacher was the soccer coach or whatever. And he was a soccer guy, but, it was that was his job and he could keep the job whether he won or lost or whatever happened you know it wasn't about results and the culture's changed in the other sense where people view these jobs like they view professional coaching jobs well they're they expected say, like hill basketball you're expected to win right gilbert soccer you're expected to you're win. expected to win forget sure. all the other stuff and the, everybody loves a trophy you're expected to win and if you don't win you get crap and, 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 and I, we brought that up with yeah. and in, in previous podcast, it's just and like you said. I think you're absolutely right. I just think, and I think whoever follows Mike Walsh, the gentleman who was just hired, I think yeah. there's pressure to win. Sure, Trinity Catholic, you're expected now. You, you, there's, you know who those programs are. You're expected to do well, and, and if I'm, not, you're going to get it. And you, I'm fine with that. And I'm fine with wanting to have a winning culture and this and that. But I don't so think that, I. that high school coaches' job should be on the line if they're not necessarily winning the amount of games they need to win every season because high school sports to me is about building the character of these kids and making them better adjusted for that's life. That's what but it should be. That's but that's not, not necessarily not. what it is. That's not the way people see it. And right. if you're not going to win and your kid's not playing, then the kid they're going to go complain. Like, you're not winning and my kid's not playing. Like, you know. But now we must back up and say sometimes there are situations where it is – Coaches need to be called on the carpet. Abs- oh, and, absolutely. And just so it is, we're clear. We, absolutely. We, we obviously, we deal with coaches, Scott and I. We don't deal with the parents as much. We, right. So th- there's many sides to this. But, yeah, there are times when the coaches need to be called on. Something absolutely. happens, and then they deserve to lose their job. There are things coaches should not be saying to these kids. Right. Especially in this day and age. They should and definitely hey, never and be putting their hands we're in the situation We're hazing. All that a very Yeah. Yes. Obviously, some hazing situation is a very tough situation. Coach may not be aware of, but you're responsible for the program. That's that's a different scenario. But again, it all we're saying is it's a tough era to coach in, and the culture has changed, and you have to adapt with it. And when you having coaches meeting with parents before the season starts, it kind of reminds me of the Hoosier movie Hoosiers, and when he's in the barber shop, Gene Hackman, he's meeting with the oh, this is what we expect out of you, and Gene's like, okay, see you later. So that that's what. When I hear that, 
that disturbs me. Yeah. You're meeting with the parents before the season start, before, before you get your job, I should say. I mean, if you not before have, the season start, before you get your job. Yeah. I, I heard one scenario, I won't go into which school it was, they had to meet with the parents before they could announce the, the hiring. And, before uh, they're hired. That's, yeah, that's I, I, that's in right. basketball. And, I mean, having a meeting with the parents and setting the, for, setting the setting, rules. Setting the rules, setting right scenarios. Right away is a good idea. Because their approaches are like, yeah, that's, I don't, they don't deal with coaches. They don't deal with playing time. But that's the biggest thing. It's it's dealing with personalities and playing time. That's what yeah. a real. That's what this all, a lot of this comes back to. Yeah. My kid's not on the bench. I don't like it, so I'm going to come up with something. Yeah. It's a backward system in a lot of ways. We, and again, we don't know that this is what's happening. No, we, in we, Guilford. We, we're, we're just talking in a general sense. Yeah, we right are. Now. And again, I, I, and we you know, know there's situations where the coach is the problem. So that's definitely we know the parents are not always to blame. Here, right. But and I feel badly. I'm glad. I'm sorry. Ended for this, but Joe. But if he went on his own terms, then then he made the decision, that, sure. and that's that's the way it should be. Yes. Don't miss a pass, pitch or putt this season. Sign up for the Whistle newsletter and get the latest news and stories sent straight to your inbox from GameTimeCT.com. Right. All right, let's get into the normal stuff of the show here. Uh, let's go through the polls real quick. Um, with the boys' poll, Fairfield Prep still on top. They're eight and zero. Uh, Trumbull's moved uh, to number two. They're six zero and one. Xavier's eight zero. Weston's seven and zero. They're tied for fifth in the L Double L poll right now. In Double L, the only unbeatens are Trumbull and Danbury. Danbury's five zero and four. And then in the from the SEC, you have Xavier Prep and Cheshire, none of whom play each other. So that's kind of the scheduling quirk of the huge conference in the SEC. But they don't they don't play each other this year. Uh, and then down in the MS poll. Uh, we have Lewis Mills still on top, uh, Ellington still second, Granby still third. Uh, Litchfield, Watertown, Somers, uh, Brookfield, Valley Regional, and Lyman are all still unbeaten down there. So it's <laughs> it's quite an array of teams, and I think that poll is going to – it's fun, but I, I don't know how that's all going to shake out as it goes along. I'm going to go see Brookfield. Uh, I'll talk about this later, Brookfield and Weston tonight, who are both unbeaten there. What do you have on the girls' side? Uh, in the double L, not too many changes. Richfield Staples, your two double L finalists last year, are still one two. Richfield with all the first place votes. St. Joe's jumped to three, ahead of the potential matchup, October 11th with Richfield, and they play each other. And yeah. the FCC, you know, everybody plays each other once. It's, yeah, everyone's so got to play. It's a nice concept. It's a concept I wish they had in the SEC for years, but now they have so many teams. Too many teams. CCC yeah. and the SEC really can't do that. So that argument is now moot. Uh, Suffield four, Glastonbury five. Followed by Shelton, who has had three straight shutouts going into today's taping, uh, including the, over Mercy, who was eight this week. Massick at seven, a team that Shelton beat in the opener 2 nothing, is at seven. Mercy, eight. Sellington, nine. Tallinn, ten in the uh, double L poll. In the MS poll, Granby's back at number one. Followed by tie for second with Notre Dame of Fairfield and Mack at two Southwest Conference schools. I don't think they've played each other yet. I'm sure that'll be coming up pretty soon. Uh, should be a good game. Weston at four, followed by Lewis Mills, North Brantford, Nanawag, Northwest Catholic, Wilkip, and Portland to round up the top ten in the MS poll. So thank you for keep sending these polls. They're already up posted online at GameTimeCT.com. Uh, I only saw one game between between recordings of the podcast. I saw Grand, uh, sorry, Stanford and Darien mm-hmm. uh, last week. Darien was up 3-1 at the half, ended up losing 4-3. Uh, this kid, Kenley Lalane scored Four goals, uh, scored all four goals for Stanford, three in the second half. Uh, it was a complete meltdown by Darien defensively. Uh, that's the only game I saw live. Uh, you know, last Monday I saw the Trumbull-Ludlow game. We already talked about that. 
Uh, did you see any girls' games this week? Yeah, I'm trying. To <laughs> I'm looking at something. Listen to you, and I'm trying to remember. I, where did uh, I go? Where did I week? go? I don't. Remember. I'm trying to remember. Oh yeah, I covered Hand Guilford. If see, only if only you collected calendars. See, this is when you have calendars. You, have, you can write everything. They calendar. say when you have, let me ask you a question. When you have kids, does your mind go to mush or do you actually memory better? No, I got to write everything. I have like a million post-it notes and things written okay. down. Like, no, your mind is mush, and you just got to have everything written. I down. just I draw a blank. I never had those problems. But no, Hand. I covered Hand Guilford. Um, you never make it as a Supreme Court nominee without your calendars written down. Well, we, that's a whole nother that's a whole nother show uh, that could be going on for hours on so that what topic. So what do you remember? Hand Gilford. Hand Gilford. Yeah, that's a good it, one. I covered it last Wednesday. Yeah, um, yeah. We try to get to those. Obviously, to me, that's as we discussed kind of with Gilford. Those Madison Gilford's the biggest rivalry. They were in the Shoreline Conference together way back before the SEC was formed. They're still in the SEC, and now Hand Gilford girls are in the same division back in the Hammonasa where they belong. Yep. Uh, it was a one-on-one tie. Um, actually, I thought Guilford had the better to pl- of the play. Yeah, and they still haven't won a game yet. They lost to Cheshire yesterday. They tie law. I mean, for Guilford goes not to have a win yet. It's it's, it's kind of a how shot. many ties do they have? Uh, four, I three or three? four. Yeah, so they oh two and three or oh two and or something like that. So and they're still getting points at least. They're getting points, points, but they're they're not. Ha- this That's is surprising. Not a, this is not a vintage team. It yeah. looks like they're a little young. They're probably a year or two away. Um, that's the only one that I covered right i went and saw actually you know what i went and saw What's st that? joe's in west hill see it took me a while i went brought my <laughs> son and i went and watched i wanted to go see st joe's it was yeah. in here in west hill and claudia Benz and yeah and claudia actually got some shots off yeah the problem is you just can't build an offense and st joe's just doesn't allow you to build no. because they just got and they just turn around into offense so quickly and they won i think it was five or six nothing um and they're very good obviously i actually went and watched a few minutes just a few minutes i because i because i had to go you know, and you have a son, you have to, you can't keep him out all day long. Right. I went and saw Shelton Boys, and they had a new Finn Stadium is redone, and I went yeah. and saw him against Cheshire, and, and Cheshire ended up winning that game, and uh, as you said, they're unbeaten, and they're having a pretty good year. So Yeah, um, Shelton played Prep and Cheshire last week, I think, so that's a tough week for them, and they're a good soccer team. And they lost to Amity. They're on a, they're, they've lost like three or four in a row, so they're they're in a tough skid right now. And that can happen in the SEC, FCIC, SWC, sure. where, where the schedules are just so loaded up. Every Monday evening, join us for the Game Time CT High School Football Podcast. Sean Patrick Bowley, Kyle Brennan, and Pete Puaga bring to you the best high school football coverage across the state. You get an immediate reaction to the Game Time CT media poll on top of discussions that go beyond just the games. Should we go into top performing? Let me start with top yeah, performers. Yeah, go ahead. All right. Top performers. Uh, Casey Lawrence from Massick had a hat trick in their fu- Massick 5-1 win over Stratford. Niana Allen from Watkinson, the prep schools, had a hat trick as Watkinson beat Chase Collegiate 6-1. to one. A couple of defenses, Warratown and Richfield going into Monday hadn't been scored upon. We've talked about Richfield. Warratown. Still crazy, though. Yeah, it is. And, Rich, and Warratown did give up two goals to Naugatuck, but uh, Metal Mancini, is that her name? I think it's Metal Mancini. Yeah. She had four goals yesterday against Naugatuck. To give her a hundred for her career. That's awesome. And um, and we were trying to figure. I wrote. Goals? I wrote in her career. Wow. And I wrote about them this week. How big week for Shelton and a big week for for Watertown because they had Woodland. And no, we don't talk much about the MVL. And but to beat Naugatuck, the school she teaches at, which she works at, I should say, uh, the coach um, uh, Christina Karen. Mm-hmm. It's a big win for Watertown, and I think they're the team to beat in the MVL. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously Emma Novachat. Novajski, uh, Novajski. Forgive me if I pronounced it wrong. From Farmington, yeah. 
N O V A J S K Y Novatsky, I think it is. Had a hat trick in uh, Farmington's four nothing win over Windsor. So those are some of the top performances, and I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, on the boys' side, uh, Dylan Wade from Notre Dame Fairfield scored with under thirty seconds left, mm-hmm. uh, giving the Lancers a two one win over Newtown. Uh, JJ Tracy, who's a kid we've been watching from the preseason from Cromwell, right? Uh, scored a late goal to beat Old Saybrook two one, and in a really good game up there. That's a good win for them. That is a good win. Yeah. Uh, at Morgan, uh, David Saturno, uh, yep, five assists yep, and a goal it. against Morgan. That's really great. No, against they, he's from oh he's from Morgan against Westbrook. Sorry, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, and a seven zero win there, so he played really well there. Tim Donovan from Litchfield. Had a hat trick uh, over previously unbeaten Northwestern. Northwestern was unbeaten going into that, and Litchfield won six right. one. That was right. a great win for them. Mm-hmm. And then Andrew Restrepo from Trumbull. That was the game I saw. Uh, had a goal and assist in the in the three two win over Ludlow. Um, let's get into some games we want to go see this week. Okay. Well, today, uh, as of taping, Shelton again has unbeaten one of the favorites in the SEC. They're going to see another team in the SEC, a former. SEC who's a time division rival in Amity today, Tuesday at 3.45. Always a tough game, but Shelton's been road warriors, have been road warriors because, again, as I mentioned, Finn yeah. Stadium has been on the road. It's finally ready. You know, they'll be playing a lot of home games late in the regular season, which will benefit them. Um, also today, Tuesday, 3.45 till Simsbury, Glastonbury. Glastonbury, as we know, is the team to beat in the Central Connecticut Conference. Can Simsbury go into Glastonbury and win? It seems like Glastonbury has all their tough games at home, which is always a good thing. Um, and Simsbury hosts Southington on Friday. So if if I assume there's gonna be, everybody's chasing Guilford, as I said, those are two teams that are going to be chasing and seeing if they can catch them. Uh, we'll see about that. And then also... Woodstock Academy at North Brantford. People say, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, Woodstock had allowed its first goal of the season on Saturday, and North Brantford's only allowed two. I'm a big fan of non-conference games because I yeah. think it builds you and gets you ready because as, as, at this point of the season, you're playing a lot of conference games. And these big – like the FCAC SEC, it's tough to get non-conference. So it's nice to see some, two teams from the ECC and the Shoreline go outside, and they obviously – it makes sense uh, distance-wise, uh, travel-wise to, to have that game. So – I think they prepare you for the tournament, and I think it'll be a decent game on Saturday. Uh, yeah, I'm going to start out that way, actually. Ledyard and Stonington uh, play tonight. Um, okay. Stonington's only allowed one goal. You should goal. leave now. I should go. You should leave now. <laughs> I'm go actually, to the I, casino and then come back. If that was my plan, I'd really right. love it. That's right. not my plan today. Oh, okay. Uh, but Stonington's only allowed one goal over its first seven games, right. uh, and Ledyard's allowed two in the same span. So, obviously, mm-hmm. when two soccer teams like that go at it, that's always fun for us. Um, right. Also up in the CCC tonight, Newington is at Weathersfield at 6.30. Uh, both teams have started out really well. Uh, right. uh, CCC, we always talk about it as being a really good soccer conference. Um, the game I am going to, the last two unbeaten teams in the SWC lock up tonight at 7 o'clock, uh, Brookfield and Weston at Weston. So I'm going to go up and check that one out. It'll be right. my second time seeing Weston, first time seeing Brookfield. Uh, looking forward to that game. Thursday, uh, St. Paul at Woodland in the NBL. Um, both these teams are contenders. I don't know if they're at the very top of the league, but they're they're contending, and I think they think they can make a run in the NBL. Uh, and Greenwich and Trumbull, um, they've played in the last two FCAC championship games. They're playing Thursday night. And then Friday afternoon um, in the shoreline, Morgan and Haddam Killingworth, uh, both those teams have started out really well this year. And they're uh, both – they were shoreline co-champions last year. Right, so and they've only each only lost one game this year. Right. So that that's a game we're looking forward to on Friday. Um 
we put out a question yesterday. We put out a mailbag thing. We did it late, so it was, it was not ideal. But we did get a question sent to us. Uh, so our producer, Pete, is going to read the question, and then Joe and I can, uh, can discuss that before we get out of here. All right. <clears throat> Good morning, so, Pete. Good morning. How are you guys doing? <laughs> We're well. <laughs> um, basically, this is uh, more of a, not a specific question, but more of a, uh, you know, the scoring in, in, in high school soccer. Yeah, what do we got? Um, so this was from the Brantford East Haven girls soccer game, I'm assuming last week. Um, they played last night. Or it's from Two the Brantford one. East Haven game from last night. No, I, I, um, I, I know they played. I know they played last night because it's in today's paper. So, oh, thank you for we, reading I the actually did read the paper. Joe. Did you read it on GameTimeCT.com first? No, because we, we only have the box. Come on, Joe. Score. Sorry. <laughs> All right, what's the question? Um, so basically, uh, the keeper uh, hit the ball against the post. It bounced back. She jumped on it two yards in front of the net and accidentally hit the ball in the back of the net. Uh, basically, the PA announcer announced that the goal was scored by Branford. Obviously, it was an own goal. Sure. That's what the uh, the question asker says. But uh, they said that they see this all the time. And is the scoring – they basically ask, is, uh, you know, soccer scoring rules in high school different than others? Obviously, I don't think the answer is yes. But I think the question more is do teams kind of – change the score or is high school scoring as accurate as we think it should well, be i'm gonna i'm gonna let scott handle this but just so because i have the box score nate uh, branford obviously home teams usually report the games as, as I mean, obviously anybody can from either side but it was reported as branford goal two to one game so but i'll let you take but the, did they uh, list a, a person scoring that well goal? we have melanie Sachs scored of 42 there's all second half melanie yeah. Sachs and kendall infantino from uh Bradford scored and Bella Plato from East Haven. So obviously they credited. Okay, so we weren't there. We didn't see this. Yeah, correct. But if the if it's the way that she described the goal and the goalie was possessing the ball without another player touching it, that would be considered an own goal. Uh, I don't think you credit anyone with the goal. Uh, I have heard in the past where there's an own goal, you give it to the closest person, but I don't I believe hockey. I've heard that. I, I believe that, that's hockey. Right, I think that's hockey. I think that's field hockey also. It's, I don't a judgment, you, it's a judgment call. It's yeah. hard. And if you're the PA guy or the scorer and you're sitting at the center of the field, there's 22 kids blocking your view of what's happening. It can be really hard to see who scores a goal, especially if there's a scrum in the front or if the ball's loose and a Branford kid may have been making a run at it. So who knows? And if the Branford, Branford reported the score and said that their kid scored, then I guess that goes in as the official right. thing. Um, but she's right. It should be an own goal if that's the situation. If the goalie possessed it, dropped it and then it went back into the goal that's an own goal now in the game i yeah. saw last week the goalie reached his hands up had the ball in his possession then it fell backwards and the other kid from the other team tapped it in obviously that's a goal for them but how about a situation where kid hits it serves a ball in defender actually serves it in and go and then defenders in front of the offensive player gets a foot on and kicks it in box it down own goal okay yeah. i mean it's an own goal i mean yeah, it's, but, but how many times have we seen the well, person yeah, who's and, and often and again and, and you're making a judgment you're not watching call. replay Boom. right oh right. yeah you're not watching and those replay. things happen so fast in that game where you could look at it and be like okay number seven from Branford was standing there I, I'm gonna or give you them to the, the, kid, the kid who kicked it and then or the kid who sent the ball in yeah that's what I would think they would give it to but isn't that not or, the rule that's that would be strange if that's, they gave it to that kid no, but I'm saying, because isn't that not the rule? Because isn't it an own goal? Therefore, no one goal. gets credited for the goal. I mean, ah. that's what they do at the upper levels of soccer. In my very limited soccer watching. 
that's and FIFA the, playing. That's the that's the correct call. If if if, if you kick cross the ball in and a defender like comes sliding in trying to clear it and gets their foot on it but it goes into the goal, it's an own goal. Yeah. Like, obviously, if they kick it, it hits the goalie's hands and goes in. It's obviously a goal because right. the goalie's trying to make the save. But now this, no, but do you think that there's some scoring that kind of gets uh, fudged when it's, like, instances like that? I don't, I don't know if it's fudged. If it's intentionally fudged, or they may have just thought that their player got a foot on it or they may have credited the goal some other way. I Again, I didn't see the play. It's really hard to say when you can't see these things. But from what she described, it's a known goal. should have been reported as a known goal, but... Who knows? And sometimes it's just a kid that you know, just a, a team manager that's sitting there and oh, exactly. Joey scored. You know, I'm right. Well, yeah, good for Joey. They asked who the coach scored who scored, and yeah, and the coach says boom. And, and when we're at games, we can't always see who scored, and we have to ask the kid, you know, who scored that goal. You know, I couldn't. Yeah. I was blocked, or I. And how many see times it. have you gone to both books, and it's two different? Yeah, sure. Of I mean, it's just because you got kids, it's it. Sometimes it happens so quickly. You're following the play, and you don't know who had the assist. Well, that's what you I think a lot of times know. people don't realize about covering high school sports is, like, there's no one doing these stats officially, you know. like you're it's talking, not college, you're, This is not college. This is not college it's or not. pro. So it's, like, what we can come up with with the coach. And I've even had conversations with the coach afterwards. The coach is like, I don't know. I couldn't see who scored. You talk to the person, and you just come up with the best answer that you can. Right. To put the story. I mean, in. how many times do you have kids, the coach is asking, well, like the guy, the, the announcer, because they didn't see it, who scored, yeah. they yelled down to the coach. Yeah. Happened in the hand. They weren't sure, and they're they asking, and then the coach is asking who scored because they didn't see it because there's a scrum. It just it's a scrum, and it happens fast and, too sometimes. And I mean. It's not like football. You're following. Every, I mean, soccer. You, it, they score again one goal in a game sometimes, and if you're not paying attention to that one second because you didn't watch the play build up, you know. But, but, I, but I've had plenty of times where I'm staring right at the game, right, and I just you just can't see because there's who knows yeah. whose foot got on that ball. You're not right there, right. Anyway, this was a good episode. Uh, we had a lot of good yeah, stuff please, to talk yeah, about. And right, please send your questions. Yeah, obviously, uh, throughout the week to Game Time CTD. We're glad to be glad to answer them as best as we can, uh, Scott and I. So yeah, we'll gladly answer any question you guys send in. So please send them in. Thanks for listening. Uh, I'm Scott for Joe. We will see you next week.